Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. What is going on? Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars show from a galaxy far, far away. Hopefully even further than normal, because obviously each planet is self-distancing this week. So a galaxy even further away. We hope you are doing very, very well. It's a crazy time out there, and we we give our support to everyone. We're always around to help. But of course, we thank you for tuning in, hopefully to provide a little respite from the craziness that's going on in the world. I'm your host, Mark Asquith, and today I'm joined, as always, by the sexiest Wookiee in the galaxy, which Chewbacca looks like Tom Jones now. It is, of course, Mr. Garrett Aylworth. How are you doing, dude? All the, all the better for hearing you introduce me like that, dude. I like it. I like it. I'm all good, man. I'm right. Uh, you're right. It's a crazy time. It's uh, the weird, weird time to be... I was going to say it's a weird time to be a Star Wars fan, but it's not. It's actually a really good time to be a Star Wars fan at the moment because Disney Plus is literally around the corner. So during this whole social distancing and isolation stuff, at least us in the UK are going to have that to to do some binge watching and stuff. Uh, it's also a great time to... I've still got a couple of Star Wars books on the list uh, to read, which I've been putting off. So it's a great time to dive into all that stuff. So hopefully our listeners are... Uh, taking care of themselves, but also a good chance to to finish that book or start that book that you picked up a while ago, finish that Star Wars game, pick up those achievements and stuff in Battlefront and all that lot. So yeah, just hope you guys are taking care of yourselves really and staying healthy. But it's great to be back recording, as always, Birdie, now that you're back in the UK and we've got no technical gumph to deal with. It's all good. It is, man. It is, and it's. Uh, it kind of surprised me that Disney Plus had not they'd not pulled the launch of it forward. Like, what a way to capitalize! I know they released Frozen two and a few other movies uh, much earlier, and The Rise of Skywalker being one of them digitally. It just makes you think that uh, you know, give access a week early, and that had just been a, like the PR around that alone would have been insane for Disney Plus because. Obviously, Netflix is is really taking a beating. You know, they're they're having to downgrade the streaming quality in Europe because the internet's taking a hammer in. And uh, it would have been interesting, interesting to see. But alas, you know, we're recording this Friday the 20th of March and uh, it's, you know, four days away. So when does it come out? Tuesday? Tuesday, I believe. Yep. Yeah. What's your approach to Clone Wars? Are you still sticking that out? Like, I'm going to binge watch the whole, I'm going to rewatch in order and then watch the new season as it comes out what's your approach to that are you still doing that yeah snap dude i was going to i was going to require the clone wars in a similar vein to the mandalorian but like you dude oh, i've man. decided just to wait until uh plus launches and then yeah just binge watch binge watch the whole freaking lot yeah are you gonna go like season one through or are you gonna go chronological watch order i'm gonna go chronological this time because the last rewatch I did, I did just uh, broadcast order. Broadcast order. So I think this time I'm going to do the old chronological stuff just to give that a crack. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm going to get bored with that. So I might skip a few. But yeah, for the most part, I'm going to do broadcast. What about you? Same. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do chronological. There are some skippables as well, aren't there? So I'm definitely going to I'm definitely going to bounce of that. I might even dig out, you know, one of those, um, uh, the essential lists. So rather than watching everything and I'll, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Sam and I had just started watching 24 again and I love 24. Like I'm a Jack Bowerite. In fact, I'll tell you a story about that in a sec. I, uh, so we've started that. So now I'm thinking, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Cause we're also watching the U S office cause Sam's never seen it. So I'm like, what are we going to binge? So I might have to skip a few clone wars, you know, the, mm. the ones that are a little bit less interesting. Um, I want to do the ones that are really mythology related and Ahsoka and Anakin related. Because okay. some of the stuff that you're seeing online looks badass. Mm. 
So keen, yeah. keen, keen for that dude. Dude, I've never seen an episode of 24. Is that bad of me? Is that you not good? I'm actually really jealous of that. Oh. Because I'll tell you a little tale. And, uh, Strap in. Here we go. Here we go. Strap in. We're in for a ride. <laughs> so, two stories. Um, a couple of things. <laughs> uh, friend of mine, Levitt, um, he went to a Kiefer Sutherland gig, because Kiefer Sutherland is Jack Bauer from 24. We are like huge 24 fans. While I was away, he was playing in Sheffield, which is right around the corner from me. I was like, oh, crap, I can't go. Gutted. So he went. Anyway, turns up. Four days later, he's in Liverpool working. Told Sutherland's playing a gig, and he's staying at the same hotel as Levitt. Levitt ends up getting pissed on whiskey with him. <laughs> so he gets pissed with the guy from Lost Boys, Young Guns, and 24. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. This is just outstanding. So I'm, number one, massively envious of that. And then he's like, he got... He got on the JD with him and ended up with some VIP entrance guest pass backstage crap for his next gig in Leeds. I'm like, oh, come on. Jeez. The one thing that I'm not there for, that's that like, you know, <laughs> this is, I'm a huge fan of 24 and that's what happens. Oh, and uh, dude, yeah, you need to watch this, right? So it's, I used to live down south, like down south, like you kid, right? So I used to live, in fact, I'll do it in a southern <laughs> accent because I used to live down south, right? So I'm down south, right? I'm kicking down. Ran up the apples and pears, right? Get into my bedroom one Sunday evening. About nine, nine bells. I'm thinking, right, what am I going to watch on TV? Sure enough, BBC Two. <laughs> brand new TV show starring Kiefer Sutherland. So I turns it on. It's only bloody 24. So anyway, I was hooked from there. That was your Ten point. Ten seasons of it, man. You have got to watch it. It's one of the best things ever made. Gets a little bit crazy. Yeah, right. That's it. We're doing a 24 recap podcast. Oh, uh, Nice. You can do like adventures in schooling, Gary, on, on 24. There, there's two big shows that pass me by. I have no idea why, because they both sound very, very cool. And I would love to watch them. But for some reason, I have no idea why they just flew by me and I missed them. One's 24, the other one's Lost. Those two shows, I've just never seen an episode Dude, of either Dude, Lost was outstanding as well. Like season two got up and then the ending, you're like, well, I either love it or despise it. But right. you just... Just watch it. It gets right up your street. And 24 as well. Like You will learn the true meaning of a badass. Okay. 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 So is that, can you stream that anywhere? 24? Or do I have to go out and buy some physical media somewhere? I got a guy. You know a guy. I got a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. Dodgy Mick from Tenerife. Oh yeah. Has he got a van? With said oh. bits in the back of van. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't talk about it on the internet. Right. Um, so feds if you're listening yep. dodgy mick does not exist or for a tenner two please two please anyway did no get an agenda yes <laughs> speaking of agendas we should crack on and dig back <laughs> into star wars right thanks for bearing with us for seven minutes 30 seconds there everyone <laughs> whilst we digressed into 24 now before we get into the news there's a pile of news as normal like it never seems to abate guys we thought it was going to slow down after the rise of skywalker but uh Disney are like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep that coming. So there's a pile of stuff to get through as normal. But before we do that, look, you know, we know times are tight. We know times are hard. Um, so this is definitely not a sell. But if you enjoy the show and if you want to uh, come along and join us over on Patreon, you can very, very much do that. Certainly do not feel obligated to this. was a free show. It will always be a free show. The podcast will remain free forever. But if you want to chuck a book towards every month in return for a little bit of swag, some stickers, and even the chance to become an exec producer or have your say on the random spotlight on one of our podcasts, you can check it out on patreon.com slash spark of rebellion. So like I said, there's never any obligation to do that. We appreciate everyone that does, Chris, Sean, John, and the rest of the people that do that. But if you do like the idea, check it out on patreon.com. And of course, check us out on the socials. We uh, we were just chatting before we came on the air about doing some fun stuff around social media. Um, and just just kind of upping the game a little bit. We're, neither of us are, are real social media marketers. So, you know, we don't do too much over there in terms of marketing the show. But we do like to have a bit of banter with the old Star Wars peeps. So just search for Spark of Rebellion, whether that's in Instagram, Facebook, or the Twitter, as my mum calls it. That one, that one with the bluebird, as my mum says. Go and check us out over there. <laughs> we'll have a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of banter. If you want to discuss anything about the show, 
just give us an at reply, which is all the rage over there these days. Now, let's get into the news, my man. Let's figure out what's going on in a galaxy far, far away. You know, it's not slowing down, is it? Nothing's going crazy. But what's interesting this week is that a lot of the news is... Um, a lot of the stuff is kind of like user-generated stuff, you know, because there's there's not like a ton of stuff going on in terms of like the shutdown, in terms of a lot of the shows being um, not necessarily canned, but certainly, you know, quietly put on hiatus for a little while and some of the film and the production slowing down. So a lot of people are taking to the net to create some of these posts and, the, you know, kind of a little bit clickbaity, some of the stuff, but really it's fan fodder, you know, it's the stuff for you and I. And the first one is... A really interesting post. It's not It's not the kind of post that you traditionally see. It's a listicle, which, uh, you know, the guys from BuzzFeed pioneered. But it's one of those really cool ones that I didn't expect. And the, the, the title of it is 10 Star Wars subplots that went literally nowhere. And this really got my imagination, dude. This really got my attention. Um, and there are 10 in there. I couldn't disagree with any of them. I looked at them, I was like, oh yeah, that didn't go anywhere. That didn't go anywhere. Like, holy crap, we never saw any more about that. Um, so I'm not going to go through all 10 of them. I'll go through, in fact, maybe I'll go through five and you go through five. Cool. And just dig into these in a little in, in a little bit of, of depth because they are really interesting. So the first one, the, the Star Wars subplot that went literally nowhere was Yoda's life. In Return of the Jedi. Oh. So the fact that he just, you know, he went into exile and then we see him again in D on Dagobah and he's training Luke and then nothing. Like, we don't get anything else. We don't know what happened in the interim. We know we've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We don't know anything about his species. Uh, so that that was a subplot that literally went no, man. It's, it's massive, fertile ground. Agree or disagree? Do we need to see more of this or less? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I don't know, this is a tough one because I would say, yes, we need to see more of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can never have too much Yoda. Yoda, 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 baby Yoda. Baby we Yoda. might get to this later, actually, because there is something <laughs> coming up with little baby Yoda. <laughs> baby Yoda. <laughs> right, the next one, then. Do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? Uh, I'll do the next one. Yeah, you do the next one. Uh, so, I'll Mass. give you permission. Do that with my... Do it with my permission. Am I doing these in the right way? Hold on. Ten, nine. Okay, nine. No, I'll do the next one. Yeah, cool. So, well, uh, tell Maz, me, just tell me first. <laughs> Maz. <laughs> Hold on. What did you just say? Just just tell me tell me first and then tell them. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll do that stuff first and then the listeners will catch up. Yeah, okay. Well, you can do it with my permission. Oh, all so. right, cool. I don't need your permission. Uh, right, number nine. Maz Kanata. You know, cheeky little Maz the old, uh, got a bit of a thing for Chewy. Where's that Wookiee? <laughs> My boyfriend. Apparently, she obtained Luke's lightsaber from somewhere, didn't she? Now, this is interesting, this one, because they're exploring this in the comics a little bit, I believe. Mm -hmm. So there's that bit where, I think we covered this, so just very quickly, in the comics, they're kind of fleshing out this bit where Luke is dangling from underneath Bespin, waiting to be rescued by uh, Han and Leia, not Han, crikey, Lando and Leia, Chewie and the Falcon. But in between that bit, his lightsaber just tumbles down and we don't know what happens to it. So they're, they're exploring that in the comics at the moment. But um, yeah, so one of the things that we, we literally just don't know anything about is how Luke's lightsaber, Luke's lightsaber got into the hands of Maz over at the, um, at the place, in the place. Takodana. That's Maz's the one. castle. That's the one on Takodana, yeah. So this is quite cool. So this could be, because it is a bit of a jarring thing, isn't it? We, In a way, we don't really need to know how she's got it. That doesn't really move the plot forward very much. It's just a bit of a jarring thing where Ray turns up and then all of a sudden we're introduced again to Luke's lightsaber. So it's kind of cool in a way because it lets your mind fill in the gaps. It's like everyone's personal Star Wars story in their head is kind of making up how Maz got hold of that lightsaber, which is kind of cool. So that's that one, dude, that went nowhere. Uh, do you think this should be fleshed out on screen or are we happy to leave this to like the comics and books and whatnot? 
Well, I, th- I think they actually started to kind of flesh it out. Like you said, in the comics, they've definitely done it. Like Luke, I think in the comics right now, as it's being published weekly or monthly, whenever it is, is looking for that lightsaber. Mm. Um, and also, in so I finished reading Force Collector while we were in San Diego. You know, the... Um, the kind of uh, the the young adult novel that follows um, it follows a kid who's who's um, force sensitive, and oh, yeah. he's basically goes out on a little trip. You know, it's a bit like Lost Stars in that it tells this it tells the tale of the um, original saga, but from a separate perspective. So very very interesting stuff. And in that, um, Maz Kanata pops up, and I can't remember. So this kid delivers something to Mas Kanata, whatever her name is, and I can't remember if it's Luke's lightsaber. I've got uh, a feeling it could be, and I've tried Googling it quickly, and I can't find it, but she's, he certainly delivers something. So maybe that's already been covered. Maybe that's already been covered. Yeah, possibly. But, yeah, I just don't think there's been anything explicit. Like, you know, this no, is, no. you know, so... Um, but I'm happy to leave this one to the books and comics, though, dude. Me too, man. We don't need to see it on a film. Um, you know, there's, there's no need for that one. So the next one, this is a big, big one. Number eight is The Broom Kid and the other Force sensitives out there in the galaxy. Like, this is a big one, man. The end of The Last Jedi sets up Broom Kid as being Force sensitive and the whole notion, which was entirely retconned, that anyone can be someone in the Star Wars galaxy. You don't have to be a Skywalker or a Palps to be someone. And we know that there's a bazillion Jedi in the world. We know there's, you know, uh, there were previously a thousand, thousand, thousand more Sith out there before the Ruler 2 became a thing. So this idea is has got precedent, but it was just like that thread was then never pulled upon. It was, you know, it was kind of alluded to a little bit in the Colin Trevorrow um, Duel of the Fates abandoned script from what we can tell what do you think of this one man this this feels like it should have been pulled on a little bit more yeah I agree I think this one yeah this this was one of the things that left me a bit kerfuffled at the end of The Last Jedi because I was assuming that these kids would play some kind of role in the next film or we would get to know a bit more about them. So I, I get what they were trying to do in, in terms of, uh, y- you know, the, I think what they're trying to say is the, the force, you know, and the p- potential future Jedi, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're, they're always going to be people that are going to grow up to have that, you know, that the force is never done sort of thing. Um, and whether you get to a certain age or you sort of diverge to light or dark, whatever it might be, there's always going to be at least one individual in the galaxy that has the force and all that stuff. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I would like to have seen this played out a little bit more in Tross just from a, like a a more whimsical, uh, explanation of the force and stuff. You know, I'd like to see a bit more around that, but uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, it's not a bad ending, really. It's kind of, you know, it leaves you with a nice little feeling. But yeah, it's just a bit random as well. It's like one of those random elements in The Last Jedi that's not too easy to explain because as a casual viewer, like if your very first viewing of Star Wars was The Last Jedi, you'd be screwed. Like at the end of the film, you'd just be like, I literally have no idea what I've just watched. um so yeah i'd like to see a bit more in it but again not too fast it's a bit of a whimsical sort of thing for me yeah i get that man i think from my side it was just if it's not in the rise of skywalker and it's a main plot point yeah let's just get it into some books and stuff i just for me i feel that that was just such a missed opportunity with the rise of skywalker um and, you know, the fact that Luke was all about, you know, I will not be the last Jedi. And then you're like, ha ha, just joking. Because, no, no <laughs> yeah, just joking. There's only one more. Just but we're having kidding. a little laugh about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay, well, I get that. I get that. Yeah, what's next? That right, what's next? So, we have got uh, the scene in A New Hope. So, this is back when we we found out that there was actually an interaction between Han and Jabba the Hutt. Uh, on Tatooine at, uh, in Mos Eisley. So for years, we just assumed that Jabba was a character that popped up, you know, in the, in the third film, and that was your lot. 
But it transpires as way of the special edition and George Lucas wanting to have this this in there that Jabba popped up in A New Hope and there was that whole thing. We had the really, really bad <laughs> uh, visual CGI Jabba in the first bit, in the first edition. And then we had the re-re-release of the special edition, which had a slightly more improved Jabba. Uh, and then we had the re-re-re-release for the Blu-rays and stuff. Again, it was slightly better. But the premise was that I think they were just creating a bit of backstory for Han where even when we first uh, get introduced to him, uh, it's kind of implied that he, you know, he's got that scoundrel uh, swindler kind of thing going on right from the offset. offset. So it's not like we meet Han. He's in the early throes of being a smuggler. It's not that at all. This meeting is meant to set up this thought process that he's, been doing this for years he's been running around knocking you know swindling people all that stuff and in this meeting it's that's quite evident because Jabba after his payment back you know he's he obviously owes Jabba a lot of money and he kind of talks his way out of it that's kind of the thing with Han's character he's got that charming kind of salesman sort of thing about him so he sort of talks his way out of everything and he does that here he's like look I'm about to go on a massive job I can't tell you what it is, but it's like a massive payment. As soon as I get that done, I'm coming back. I'm paying you. It's all good. But you get the feeling that he's done this loads and loads of times. So uh, the storyline, obviously, with this one is that we never see what happens with that. We know we never see Jabba hunting Han down anymore because, uh, well, from what we know, Han didn't go back to Mos Eisley and pay Jabba back. Uh, so at the end of A New Hope, so... That was that. So, but we just don't find anything after that. We don't know if Jabba was, you know, super pissed that he didn't get his money and all that stuff. Did he go off and send more bounty hunters after harm? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So, I think this would be a cool. Um, I think this would be a cool storyline to explore. Anything with more Han Solo, like classic Han, like proper non-Zimmer frame Han. I think that'd be great. What about you? I agree, man. I think it would have served a purpose as well. I think it would have, um, you know, it was it was it was going that way after the solo movie. You know, they were headed to Tatooine for the job. We can only assume that this second part of the trilogy, or the planned trilogy, would have um, looked into how it all went pear shaped for Han and Chewie prior to a new hope and that whole yeah, I got your money, I get your money. You know, that first chance that he gets with Jabba, mm. and then maybe. I don't even know if this was ever on the cards, but it would have been quite cool to do the third piece of that little trilogy as, as in between A New Hope and, and and Empire because I think that that adds an element of the Leia situation as well. Like, who is this girl? Like, what is like? Why am I? You know, I'm Han Solo. I, I'm a smuggler. This is what I do. And then wait a sec, there's this girl that's cropped up, and then seeing the whole the whole reaction to you know how because Kiara the the the, the Amelia Clark character was introduced. Like, what what did that mean for the Leia relationship? You know, so there's there's lots of fertile territory there, and I think that's mm-hmm. even though the Han Solo movie was very very oddly received, and the, even the first time I watched it, I was like, ah oh, man, it's just a Wikipedia page on on film. When you watch it back and you watch it back again, it's actually a really good film, and it's, it it sets up a heck of a lot of really good stuff. So I think there's two more films in there, definitely, that are very, very, very interesting. So yeah, I'd love to see this on film, dude. Defo, man. Yeah. What what we got next? Defting. We've got Sidious and Plagueis. So the famous scene at the opera. Did I ever tell you the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? That old little bad boy. <laughs> um. So the next one is that plot thread was never pulled up on. Like, I feel like the person that wrote this article probably didn't, get to grips with the old extended universe too much. But the notion is that we've never really seen too much more about the Plagueis. And, and, and in particular, the very complex nature of Sidious's character played up against his master. We've only ever seen him as the manipulator and the master. We've never seen him as the apprentice and, and, and the person coming up through the ranks. So we know we've got a book in this space that does a very good job of it, albeit rushed, feels a little bit rushed towards the end um, as it gets into Phantom Menace territory. But... Maybe something for film or TV? What do you think? Are there some legs in this? Is this something that we could see? Something that you'd like to see? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this. I think out of all of them, this is probably the one that could lead you down many, many paths. Uh, this is probably the scene that could you could go pretty much anywhere with this one. 
So I think it's definitely got legs, mate. I agree with you. This this would be great. Something like this would be great for for a Disney Plus series. This whole, um, uh, you know, this whole theory of different different Sith lords or Jedi's being able to tap into different types of powers from the Force. So we, uh, I think you mentioned we had this whole thing with Plagueis where his his mo, if you like, was absolutely to put all of his knowledge and power and everything into uh, sustaining life essentially and immortality whereas you don't really hear of any other Sith Lords that have that um, sort of thing so this could be a great thing to flesh out with some backstory stuff on a TV series I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's a film's worth of stuff in terms of the 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 story I don't think there's enough there to capture you for an entire film but you could sort of flit around different things on a TV series but yeah, I would love this, man. Anything that sort of brings you round into that whole Plagueis and, and Palpatine thing is such a, a great... There's just a whole wealth of stuff there to explore visually outside of the books and stuff. So yeah, I'm up for this one, dude. That's a really interesting point, man, about it being a... Frog in my throat. <laughs> I think it's an interesting point, that, because you, you can see this being a... A real nice half of a TV show. So what I'm talking about here is, you know, maybe you've got sort of a, I don't know what the characters would be, but, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe like, let's, let's just assume, okay, what characters do we know around? Like a Jedi TV show that explores Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or even the wider Jedi, but, you know, running alongside it is another plot, which is Plagueis and Sidious. And, you know, in the new canon, we've not really got much Plagueis, you know, there's nothing to say that he has to meet his demise like he does in the in in the current book in canon, in uh, sorry the old extended universe canon. So th- there is actually something quite interesting with this, where I think we see it in in some of the prequels where you know Yoda and Mace Windu and so on, you know they start to feel the shroud of the dark side a little bit more. That's actually really interesting territory. So I think you you could be onto a, a nice winner there, where it's not a Plagueis show, it's not a Sidious show, it's actually just do you know what these guys are supporting characters. But they get, it's almost like a Breaking Bad style, you know, putting all the pieces in place. You know, there's 10 main characters and then there's five main characters and then it all filters down into the Jedi and Plagueis and Sidious. There's something very interesting in that. So yeah. I, I love that idea, man. I think you're really onto something there. Yeah, I like that. Right, moving on. Old Jar Jar. you got to love Old Jar Jar. So this is very quickly, this other plot or subplot which didn't get explored is when... Uh, Padme goes into hiding and she promotes Jar Jar to to be the representative for the for the Senate and while Jar Jar is is in charge he goes ahead and gives um, emergency powers uh, he entrusts Palpatine basically with emergency powers and then obviously we know from that that he runs off and does all sorts of terrible things, but we don't see after that. And we've only been hinted, we've only hinted at things in Jar Jar's future and a little bit in some of the extended media stuff, but we all know that as a result of that, Jar Jar gets, you know, he, he gets put in a headlock, a few slaps are dished out, and he's out on his ear. And we don't really know too much about what happens between that point. We know that he ultimately ends up homeless, pretty much. He ends up homeless, you know, just being a bit of a, a daft sort of entertainer, street entertainer, but we don't know what happens in between that. Um, and this also links into some of Jar Jar's previous history as well, because when we first see him in The Phantom Menace, when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan first meet him, he does reveal to them that he's already been, he's already had his ass kicked already. He's kind of been, you know, um, uh, what's the word? He's been banished banished that's it yeah he's been banished so um it's this kind of like a repeating thing for for jar jar unfortunately he's, he's got great intentions i think that would be the key part if they were to explore this is that jar jar as a character whether you find him annoying or not he's got great intentions his heart's in the right place but he just seems to like uh it just all everything crumbles around him at various points in his life and he ends up back at square one so what would be cool about this is exploring that him as a character but also would there be something in the future so when we pick up his timeline and he's homeless and he's just an entertainer would there be another thing later on where he does kind of get back on his feet and he you know gets going again with whatever 
on whatever planet or with race of people and then bosh something happens and he's back to square one again and he's back with the gungans and stuff so there could be like an interesting thing where you've got like this history repeating itself with jar jar and finding out why that is and stuff but overall i'm not too fussed about seeing it but it is kind of a novel kind of a, a nice little idea maybe this is like a kid's book or something like that the adventures of jar jar or something and it's like a it's one of those cool things like, where they could just show Jar Jar getting back on his feet and it's like a positive message or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. What about you, dude? Yeah, I'm the same. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's like, it's one of the most pivotal pivotal moments in the entire Star Wars saga. Um, you know, it grants the Empire its power and yet it's <laughs> never really dig, dug into it. But then it's, it's the character of Jar Jar. You know, it, it's regardless of whether you subscribe to the Sith Lord theory or not, it doesn't really matter. It's like it's Jar Jar Binks. It's it is what it is. It, it could work well as one of those Star Wars YouTube shorts. You know, one of the animated things. Oh yeah, yeah, that could work quite nice. It's just that whole, you know, a, a three, four, five minute thing on YouTube that just sh- almost like the immediate aftermath. Like, oh my word, what have I done? Yeah. Or even a good place to pitch that might be just after Order sixty six, where it's like, wait a sec. What's an empire? And it would only need six or seven minutes. Yeah. Just to dig into that. Yeah. I like it. We should pitch that. Should pitch that immediately. Hey, speaking of the empire, that's the next one. How the empire works. This one fascinates me. So we know the empire exists. We know that it's this big, you know, big, huge military machine, but we never think of it really outside of solo because we see people in the trenches stormtroopers getting dirty and and shot to pieces and rogue one plus maybe a couple of the books like lost stars and maybe some of the tarkin stuff and 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 maybe the prequel to rogue one we just see this as just oh yeah these are the bumbling soldiers and there's the boss darth vader and then his boss and we don't really think of the empire as a genuine empire as a military force Mm. So this theory kind of, or not theory, but this 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 um, plot thread just talks about, wouldn't it be cool to see the, the inner workings of the Empire? Everything from how they get and generate their raw materials right through to um, some of the hierarchical challenges, some of the inner workings, the politics of it. And also, I think one of the interesting things is like the belief system. Um, because you see in a lot of Star Wars literature that the people that are working for the Empire truly believe they are the good guys. And you see this through through varying pieces of literature where it's, you know, it's from a certain point of view. Um, so I think there's something fascinating in this. Again, I'm not sure... I'm not sure it has a movie in it, but maybe like a, a miniseries. You know, if you're on Disney Plus and you've got a six-episode miniseries, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see The Path of a TIE Fighter pilot? Or, you know, some lower level, not a stormtrooper, because I think that's been done to a degree, but someone that we've never seen before, like that TIE pilot, um, you know, and he's going on these missions that lead up to one of the big battles that we're aware of. There's like a six episode miniseries in this that could be really, really cool. It could be cool, yeah. And one thing that springs to mind, just as you're talking through that actually, is we could also see... This could have a definitive start and end point as well. You could also see where where the hearts and minds are of the people who are working for the Empire on the Death Star, the Battle of Yavin. So one of the kind of controversial subjects that's been around for years, I think Kevin Smith wrote it in one of his earlier films, where they discussed about, they discussed the theory of all of the thousands, potentially millions of people that are on the Death Star working for the Empire. It's not really their fault that, you know, Palpatine's being the way he is. So uh, there's like a combination of people who are like diehard Empire uh, sort of enthusiasts and people that are there to support whatever the Emperor's doing or Vader or Tarkin, whatever, and they're sort of in it for the long game and they'll, you know, they're in it. But then you've got like thousands of other people who are just like technicians and welders and... You know, all of that sort of jazz. So, um, you know, in terms of how the Empire works, it's like, well, how do they recruit all of those thousands of, you know, people that are going to, you know, the upkeep for something like the Death Star? So how 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 all of those people fit into it as well? So when they ultimately blow up the Death Star, you know, that's quite a big 
moral question as well to answer. And it's it's like a trivial thing in the film. It's like good versus evil and that's it. You just assume, especially as a kid, that every single person on the Death Star is an evil person because they're there supporting the Emperor. But in actual fact, that might not be the case. So that, that could be an interesting thing to, to throw in there as well. Yeah. yeah, man, I totally agree with that one. And one of the other the other sides of that coin, one of the other theories was um, just to kind of push through this one, because I don't think it's a, a big one, is like how the rebels stayed hidden. Um, that's one of the other theories in there. Um, and it, it just, like, I think, feel like this is maybe like a, a, a dual-sided coin. Um, you know, how did these rebels stay hidden for so long? It's been touched on a little bit in Rebels to a degree, um, but that's really the beginning of this cell. You know, the, the, there's a cell you know, that runs the ghost and then there's, there's, there's Bail Organa doing his thing and trying to pull everyone together. That, that could actually be quite a nice duality. You know, you've got the, 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 the exposition from a, a, a TIE fighter's perspective or, like you said, the, the belief system that side. Then you've got the, the, you know, the juxtaposed belief system on the other side and showing how they got, how they remained hidden. Like there's, a, there's sort of like a scrappy little drama in there somewhere that, that could be quite interesting. Um, so a lot, yeah, a lot of curiosity now, and that could be that could be very very interesting to just see that play out. But I don't think it needs personally. I don't think it needs much. It just needs enough to be quite satisfying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. Do you want to do the Vader one, dude? Number two. Uh, yeah. So the Vader one is um, the whole theory about in the Empire Strikes Back, the whole thing around Vader uh, learning about about Luke's existence, essentially. So I'm not really, I'm, I'm not sure on this one in terms of, is this something that needs exploring any more than what we saw in the film? The reason for that is because, well, so for a long time before we had the prequels, we just assumed that somehow years ago Vader had kids and now he doesn't. And that was the, you know, that was the end of it. <laughs> you know, you didn't need to, to know any more than that. And then when we have the whole, uh, the whole reveal at the end of that film, it was a case of, okay, um, you know, is Vader lying? Is he not? Is he really Luke's dad? All that sort of stuff. So that kind of adds to the mystery a little bit. And especially if you haven't seen the films before, that's like a great thing to uh that's a great thing to to have because one of the viewing orders for the films is that you do four or five you leave it there you go back and do one two three and you find out anakin's backstory and then he's like oh yeah we did have kids so he is luke's in and you go and finish off with jedi so um i think that's that's quite and again it goes back to what we we're saying earlier about sometimes it's just it's good just to leave those things as they are so this whole thing around um uh how Vader learns of Luke's existence in the Empire Strikes Back and how he, you know, comes to, because uh, it all happens quite quickly towards the end of that, that film. So, but I, I feel, I feel like that's just something that's quite nice with the, for the films. It doesn't, it feels like it doesn't need to be fleshed out as much as people might want it to be. I don't know, man. What do you reckon? Well, I think it's actually been touched upon nicely in the comic book series, I think it's in the Vader. So it, is it in the Vader one or the New Hope? Uh, that Sorry, the uh, the Star Wars one from Marvel. It might be both because they kind of segue together in varying places. Um, it might be the Kieran Gillen run where he hires Boba Fett to find out who this kid is. And who's the kid that was able to do that? And then Fett comes back and said, look, I, I didn't find the guy. Um, subsequently, Vader does find him later and they meet again before Empire. Um, but... He says, you know, I, the only thing I got was a name, and the name is Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And you see a, there's this really cool dual panel at the bottom of a page. It might even be a full page spread of Vader's just anger mm -hmm. bubbling up. And you see the, 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 the whole windshield of the Star Destroyer that is in whatever he's looking through the viewport just starts to crack under the pressure of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really, really kick-ass scene because for me, and this is me completely adding to it, but for me, that's the point where he really starts to fall away from the Empire. There's always been doubts in his mind when you read some of the literature, but that point is when he realises he's been duped. You know, not yeah. it's not a question of loyalty and going through the Sith way of, I'm always going to be disloyal because I'm a Sith. It's more of a, this is the first time that I realised that that motherfucker lied to me. Mm -hmm. 
So that is very, very interesting. So I, th- I think there's been enough of that, dude. I don't think we need any more on that, if, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I think sometimes it's cool just to leave things as they... I, when, I think when you start to dig down too much and you start to dig into too many things to do with Star Wars, it takes them. It takes that mystery away a little bit. And I, I love- and it takes these discussions away as well. It takes this like, yeah, but what if this and what if that? Exactly. And it also doesn't do any favours for any of the writers for future projects because you, if you flesh it out too much and you always continuously dive into every little little detail you just write yourself into a big corner so when you want to write this really cool project coming up or in a couple of years time you've been commissioned to write a book for example around this timeline you've got so much stuff that you have to read through yourself and consider it's like well i can't write this character because he spoke to that character back on this Mm -hmm. planet and all that lot you just it's one massive rabbit hole so if you can leave it fairly open and just let the viewer sort of make up those little bits in their own personal journey then that's better my opinion. I agree, dude. I think it keeps it more fun for people. And speaking of things that maybe should have been kept under wraps, but I know a lot of people are a little bit miffed about, um, when we first had this crop up, what about old Snoke? So the last plot point that was never really fleshed out was that old Snoke was unceremoniously wiped out in The Last Jedi, and I think a lot of fans, us included, to a degree, were a little bit miffed that we never got more backstory on Snoke, other than the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker, we see a lot of Snoke clones in there, and it turns out he was just some clone, some being that had been cloned, and Palpatine was able to control him and speak through him. Um, and it, it just, it felt a little bit weak, this whole Snoke backstory. Um, so that's, that's the last plot thread that people... Maybe want a little bit more of, you know, what's Snoke's background? What's the situation with him? What's the dealio? Do we want more of him? Do you want more of Snoke? Are you happy with how it was left? I think we could all do with a bit more Snoke. And I think they they already they already looked at a little bit of this, didn't they, in the comic book run? I think. Didn't we have that, uh, what was it? Was it a three or a four-parter or something in the comics last year? Where we had some... Um, we, we had a little bit of a backstory fleshed out and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, Snoke's a weird one because initially before the rise of Skywalker, there was that whole huge thing like where, what is Snoke about? You know, where is he from? Why is he doing this? What's his relationship with Kylo? And, and then in the rise of Skywalker, it was kind of, uh, all sort of, thrown away all that mystery really it just ended up being oh he was just created by palps and that was it so that in itself is kind of cool but it would have been nice for for snoke to have been his own thing like this own his own dark jedi or sith whoever you know he was you know back in the day on some distant planet you know uh, observing everything that's going on and then just in a similar way to palpatine like this long game manipulator just waiting to make his move and and all that stuff but he ended up being a bit of a just a bit of a plot mechanism for palps in the end really but yeah it would be it would be cool to see a bit more about him though for sure yeah he he certainly had a lot more legs like he had so much more potential for just for just being able to manipulate kylo ren in such a way and to be this not necessarily the architect but what i found kind of fascinating as a potential for Snoke was just the idea that he could have just, he could have just been an opportunist, you know, some bad old dark side user that had been, like you said, observing things, but never wanted to get involved. And then suddenly there's an opportunity there because there's a big power gap, a big vacuum of power. Um, it could, it could have just been such an interesting thing. And then I think because of the way that Palps was pushed into the, uh, the, the rise of Skywalker, it was almost like, well, yeah, it's easy. We can get out of this with Snoke dead easy by saying, look, it's another clone. And look, we've got the Kaminoans in the background to prove the point. Like, we've got, we've, we've got precedent for this thing. And it just, yeah, it was it felt a bit wasted, didn't it? Um, but I'd, I don't think we'll get any more of that. I think we'll probably get, you know, I think we'll get more of, of Snoke, as we are doing in some of the comic books, you know, that 30-year that gap between Jedi and Force Awakens. I think they'll explore Snoke during that time. But knowing knowing that he's that clone and he's a he's a he's just a puppet, I'm not that bothered about even knowing, mate, if I'm honest. Like I don't really care about that time frame. 
It's because it's, no, it's of no consequence. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now that we've, we've had that fed to us in troughs, it's, um, yeah, it just makes it all, not irrelevant, but it just makes it a lot more of a smaller deal than what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I agree, man. Well, look, we spent some time on that, which was quite interesting, though. I enjoyed digging into that. Um, mm. It was good to go into that. So we've we, we've kind of treated that as a bit, a bit of the, the review and discussion section, uh, which we didn't intend on doing. So what we'll do is we'll zip through a little bit of news um, and see what timing we end up at. Um, but a little bit of little bit of corona-related news, a bit of COVID-19 news. Sadly, 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 Star Wars, everything Star Wars and Jurassic World, everything that was filming... Uh, down at Pinewood Studios here in the UK has been closed down, um, which is completely understandable. But I didn't realise, apparently, this came as a bit of a surprise to me. The thing that's been closed down is the old Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show, <laughs> which we'd heard was closed down ages ago for the rewrites. But apparently, apparently they were filming, dude. But it's now it's closed down. What say thee? Yeah, apparently it was, uh, well... This goes back to what we were saying last week. Was it last week or the week before? That th- this is just typical Disney. Um, typical Disney where <laughs> we get told one thing and then there's a press release that says something else and there's something else. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just really don't know what's going on. So as a byproduct of this news, like you said, it's like, ah, uh, Obi-Wan's been shut down. Everyone's like, ah, Obi-Wan was shut down months ago weeks months ago so uh, it's great news don't get me wrong absolutely brilliant that they're uh, that that this is back on so what why it was kept from us that it was back on i don't know because it would have put everyone in a much better mood <laughs> but yeah it's just one of those happy accidents i suppose that we found this out yeah it's it's weird isn't it like you said it's just one of those oh that's a bit of confidence in that it was moving forward. And at least, you know, at least it's closed down for the reason that everything else is closed down. Um, it's just, I mean, what do you even do with this? You just, it just undermines everything that Disney say. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's, this is just one to just take at face value, I think. It's one of those you just get on with it and forget about it. But I was just surprised to hear that, which I think everyone was, like you said. And speaking of meddling, speaking of like Disney undermining <laughs> their own trust in themselves, I think, a lot of the time. There's a new rumour flying around, which has been reported um, by comic, CosmicBook.News, which is a little bit of a naughty one, isn't it? CosmicBook.News. <laughs> like, come on, lads. We're nice. better than that. Yeah, we're better than that. Is, yeah? Is Neil funnier than me? You think he's Neil a better boss? Yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing about the comic book news people. All right? <laughs> That's exactly what's going down in their offices. <laughs> But apparently there's a rumour. There's a rumour. So the Mandalorian, the rumour is that Kathleen Kennedy, our old favourite, who we think, myself and Kaif, think, and, and I think you do as well, you know, she's probably, now that Iger's gone, when her contract's up, she's probably shipping out. You know, <laughs> I, I would imagine Kennedy's probably got a day's numbered over there, now that Iger, Iger, Iger's gone. Because apparently she's meddling. She's meddling with the Mandalorian, and she's wanting to tie it to the Rise of Skywalker. And in particular, this is from Cosmic Butt News, tying it to Emperor Palpatine and Rey. Apparently, she wants to use the Mandalorian as a bit of a backdoor vehicle to explain how Palps survived, given that it's only five years after Return of the Jedi looking at ways of tying that together, explaining how the new fleet came together. Um, and apparently, I don't know, we don't know anything about whether this is true or not. Told Favreau is getting a little bit miffed with it. Apparently, obviously, the the, the Mandalorian season two um, was very much focused on making sure that Mando took Baby Yoda home and everything was going on as normal. You know, they were just trekking through space, trying to find everything. And trying to figure out what was going on with the Jedi, trying to figure out what was going on uh, with the Mandalorians and the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But apparently now, none of that is the case. Um, apparently Kennedy is trying to tinker with it and put this put this baby Yoda down as a reborn Yoda. And apparently, this is the last thing that I'll say on that one, <laughs> apparently, apparently, this whole reborn Yoda idea told Bob Iger, our man Iger, 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 apparently he was all right with that. 
Yeah. He was all right with it, apparently. So mm. what do we think, dude? Is this just bullshit, or is, is do we think there's some truth to Kennedy meddling in the Mando season two? Um, I don't know. I, I some of uh, a part of me thinks that it's it's really easy to target Kathleen Kennedy, you know, because mm-hmm. if you think if you think about when before all this happened, the the pre Disney buyout, George Lucas was under so much fire all the time for something because he was the face of Star Wars for so many years. So whenever there was a bit of a backlash or fans weren't happy with something. It was always Lucas, 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 you know. So when this all happened and Kathleen Kennedy, she's almost, if you take Iger, Iger, Iger out of the equation just for a minute, because he wasn't really the face of Star Wars, was he? He was he was like Palpatine, wasn't he? And Kathleen Kennedy's like Vader or Tarkin in terms of the whole Disney uh, merry-go-round. But just specifically for Lucasfilm and Star Wars, it was really Kathleen Kennedy that put her name above the door, so to speak. So whenever fans are unhappy about something, the only person really they can gravitate towards to start having a bit of a go at is Kathleen Kennedy. So whenever you read and see things like, oh, this they want to change this storyline or they want to introduce this character or they want to try and patch up the holes of the Rise of Skywalker by doing this or whatever it might be, Kathleen Kennedy is obviously going to, she's going to foot the, 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 the most of the, the flack for that. So I think there might be an there might be an element of truth in that in in that she might want to try and tie this up because of all the backlash of trying to just cram so much into the rise of Skywalker that it just left so many things unanswered and plot holes or whatever. So now she could be going down the damage control route. We don't know, but I also think that there's a, so many people working at Lucasfilm with so many agendas and having their own ideas and stuff. Their name just doesn't be. It just doesn't get projected out there like hers does. So I think some of me thinks, yeah, it could be down to her. The other part of me thinks, well, you know, it's a big machine, Lucasfilm, and Disney is an offshoot of that. And you can't always say, oh, it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. Unless she's been quoted verbatim and this is her actually saying, yes, this is my idea and I want to do it. You know, sometimes I think you have to take these, uh, not attacks, but you have to, these... Kathleen Kennedy like laying blame at her door all the time. I think you have to take it with a little pinch of salt sometimes. Yeah, man, I, I totally get that. And I think you're totally right. It's it's easy for, for someone to become that. You know, it only takes one thing that someone doesn't like that she did say. It's like Ryan Johnson, you know, we, everyone battered Ryan Johnson for a long, long time. And then suddenly after Rise of Skywalker, everyone's like, well, oh, a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we should let Ryan Johnson do a little bit more. And I think you're totally right, man. It's it's easy as a Star Wars fan for this to become the very toxicity that that happened with Kelly Marie Tran, and you know all this kind of crap that we think we've got a right to go into because we're fans of something that we've grown up with. When there are people, you know, getting paid to do this, and that's their livelihood, and I get that completely. I do I do still think Kennedy will be gone after the contract expires. I think that's just almost a given, um, just based on how it's how the Rise of Skywalker in particular has performed. Um, and I, on the other side of it, I, if it wasn't her, it'd be someone else, you know, yeah, it would yep. be someone else. Absolutely. So there's always someone that we can blame. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, it would be a shame if this is true. I'd hate to see the Mandalorian. I almost don't want it to be tied to the rise of Skywalker. Um, and only very tentatively and tenuously tied to anything Skywalker saga. I think it would be better. And I think those ties would be stronger if they were only very tenuous, you know, rather than it being, oh, the Mandalorian's actually, he actually grew up on another planet and he's not a Mandalorian, which we know about. Guess where he's from? It's big Starlighter in secret. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, like just going that overt with it. I know that's a very flippant example, but going that overt with it would just ruin it, man. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I hope they don't do that. Right. I'm not sure there's much sense spending much time on this one. Um, Maybe we'll just put the link in the in, in the show notes, but it's another piece that we, I mean, we talked about it last week, but someone summed up, so the guys at The Ringer that summed up the new revelations, this is their title, new revelations and subtle differences in the Rise of Skywalker novel. So I don't think we need to spend too long on this because the main plot points we'd covered um, when we chatted about it last week, but just to quickly zip through them and maybe pick a couple out that we'd not touched on last week. We knew 
Palpatine is the original Emperor's spirit inside the clone body. We got that. We knew that Ray's father was Palpatine's failed clone, quote-unquote, son. We knew about that. Yes, we knew Finn was Force-sensitive. I don't know why they did that whole thing about, oh, yeah, i got to tell you something. Like that, that, I don't know. That was a really weird choice of delivering that. <laughs> um, so that's, that's for another day. But... The two big ones are Ray and Ben apparently didn't have the hots for each other. And one of the other interesting ones are um, the resistance re- reinforcements. Like, where did they come from? How did Lando go and get that many people that quickly when, at the end of The Last Jedi, no one turned up? And I know that's fleshed out a little bit in, in one of the prequel books. Like, when Leia goes off and she talks to the um, Ryloth, uh, the guys on Ryloth. Um, but it's, you know... That was a huge plot point that wasn't really dug into, and it didn't need to be dug into. So these are just a couple of bits that are fleshed out in the book a little bit more. The one that's curious is that whole Ray and Ben didn't have the hots for each other, and the kiss between them was very much a kiss of thankfulness and gratitude and acknowledgement. Oh, which get is, out of it. Get out of it. It's a bit retconny, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's a bit like, whoa, you guys didn't like that? <laughs> Wait until you read the book. Yeah. It will all become clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other good one about the book, which I'm quite looking forward to reading, is the whole Finn being force sensitive because they alluded to that in the film, but mm-hmm. didn't quite finish up on a conclusion on it. So we all guess that he probably is, but I think in the book they actually say that yes, he is force sensitive. He's not quite up there with like Chuck Norris level. He can't be a Jedi, but he is uh, might be like the broom kid maybe. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thread really to pull up on, isn't it? That would have been really interesting. You get the broom kid in this wider galaxy of people that are very able to use the Force. A little bit like the Inquisitors, you know, they were very powerful in the Force, but they're not quite Sith level. Um, Suddenly that becomes interesting because you've got one of those people who thought he was no one, who was a stormtrooper, choosing to use the light side of the Force uh, as, as best he can. Just another missed plot point. That could have been much more interesting than um, Canto Bite. <laughs> you know, it could have been just, you know, what I mean, it, there's just so much that could have been done with that. But alas, you know, we are where we are with that. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just feels like a bit of a miss, miss swing. Um, yeah. Again, so look, man, we're coming up to an hour. Um, Already. Do you want to? Yeah. It's crazy. It's because we did those 10 things, isn't it? But I quite enjoyed doing that. Do you want to throw the other news into next week? Um, some of the toy news and stuff, or any ones that you want to pick up on this week? Uh, yeah, we can throw um, uh, we can throw a couple of these bits into next week. There is one thing I just want to mention very quickly, um, mm-hmm. but just because it's going to be it's going to be sold out um, and it won't be available next week when we record. But if you're into your PC uh, games and your big box uh, custom art and all that stuff, those fine dudes over at Limited Run Games have just put out. Literally, we're recording this Friday afternoon. And they've just put out the Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 Collector's Edition PC uh, box, um, which has got a ton of really cool... uh, Mark and I were chatting previously that the box art is lovely. It's got this very uh, abstract kind of uh, grey and green art, which looks lovely. But inside the box, as well as the game, obviously, you get the steelbook, you get get a a nice little Lucasfilm uh, USB drive, you get... uh, lightsabers enamel pin you get a really nice retrospective book of essays about the making of the game some art cards uh, memorative coin all that stuff it's really really nice it's a bit pricey um it's 65 dollars, which is about i don't know 50 odd quid um but they do sell very very soon so if you like this stuff and you want it then um then yeah we'll put a link in the show notes but limitedrungames.com uh, really beautiful releases from those guys yeah, good shout, man. That does look sweet. It looks really, really good. I'm not even a PC gamer, but I'd, that's one of those things that uh, I'd have for the other stuff around it and stick it on a shelf because it looks absolutely fantastic, the grey and the green, like you said. you listening out there thank you so much for supporting us we've, we've kind of just done a, a bit of a deep dive we've kind of inverted the flow of the show a little bit today by accident so thanks for sticking with us on that one we, we enjoyed digging into those 10 little plot threads uh, there's a little bit more news that we'll get to next week nothing major nothing time sensitive 
And we'll get back to uh, another discussion, which I know we're going to discuss uh, some of the movies uh, potentially coming up and that we'd maybe like to see in the future. So that's something to dig into on the next episode. So thanks for thanks for tuning in. It's a real pleasure. Thank you again to everyone that was out at PodFest a few weeks ago, all the fans that came up. I, I, there were a few people that listened to the show um, that I was, I was really, really happy to see out there. So thank you so much for that. And as always, you know, stay safe doing whatever you're doing. Look out for yourself. If we can shed any light, if we can add a little bit of levity into any of your days, hit us up on the social media platforms. Just search for Spark of Rebellion. If you want to just, you know, if, you do, if you're doing anything that requires you not being around people and you want a little bit of interaction with some Star Wars geeks, find us on the socials and just come along and we can chat Star Wars all day long. So just search for Spark of Rebellion on the socials and thank you as ever for listening guys it's good to be back man always a pleasure always a pleasure dude love this week is uh, I say it all the time but it's a highlight of the week is jumping on here and chatting Star Wars dude because as I say all the time my family gets sick and tired of me chatting Star Wars to them so this is a perfect outlet for me mate. so yeah all good I love it guys well listen thank you so much it's been a real pleasure and guys I'll see you next week as well bro indeedy bro take care of yourselves whatever you're doing make sure you stay healthy everybody and uh, until next week may the force be with you always <laughs>